Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Well, it is just great to be here with you guys this morning. And, you know, just, just a little bit about us. So we've been married about 18-ish, 18 and a half-ish years. We have five kids, uh, two girls, three boys. They are 16, 15, 11, 13, and 7. I can say it better when I close my eyes. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. But anyways, um, just an absolute ride. But we met, um, kind of just a, a, a chance encounter and... Man, I'm, I met Becca. I was 24 years old, and I was like, holy cow. Like, this, 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 girl's, this girl has got it. Um, met her, and then about two weeks later, we were headed to Wisconsin, where, where Becca's from. Uh, I was, I was going to meet her folks. And, and we're on our way over there, and I'm like, hey, I, I met Becca on February 14th, so it's two weeks after that. Uh, if you can do math, you can figure out the date. So we're, we're, we're headed over there, and... I said to Becca, I was like, hey, um, for the summer, you're headed to Kentucky to do this, this uh, internship at a camp. Like, what if you were to do that internship at, at Res? Like, you could do that internship there. And she's like, wow, you think so? I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I know some people. You could do it there. <laughs> and, and she's like, well, but where would I live? And I was like, well, if we got married, you could live with me. <laughs> and, and she goes, well, that sounds good. So I turned the music back up, right? Like, this is, this is, this is great. And so we went, we met the parents and well, I, I met her dad and, and we went out to lunch and, and no lie, if I had a video camera that could have followed me around and recorded that weekend, I could have sold it for millions of, it was hilarious. But, but that evening I'm sitting downstairs uh, playing pool with her dad and I'm like, I'm in Wisconsin. He's here. I'm here. Time to get this done. So I'm like, um, Bruce. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I'd like. I really like your daughter. And he's like, great. And I'm like, no, I want to marry her. And he's like, great. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I want to marry your daughter. Will you give me permission? And he's like, like, like you're asking. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm asking. And he looks at me and goes, how long have you known her? And when he, when he said it that way, I was so excited because I've known her twice as long as we've been dating. <laughs> so I was like, two weeks, two weeks. Um, and it actually turned into a negotiation. It was really weird. He's like, I think you should wait this long. And I'm like, I don't want to wait. He's like, well, what if you do that? And anything but a no is a yes. Anybody ever, ever, ever experienced that? So his like... His like, put it on pause and we can revisit this thing. We had, a, we had our date picked before we got back to Michigan. I was like, he did not say no. So well, that is a yes. <laughs> yeah, well, my parents dated for five years and then were engaged for one year. And so when we got engaged, or not when we got engaged, when we talked to my dad, my dad was like, listen, he has to meet your grandpa and he has to meet your brother. And so he's like, I'm flying you guys down to Florida. You're gonna go meet them. So we get down to Florida and my dad thinks this is gonna solve the problem. But I had lost my grandma six months prior and we get down there and my grandpa loved Samuel. And so he's like, we're driving to the courthouse. We're going to the courthouse. Like right now we're going to the courthouse. You're getting married. I'm like, Chris, I don't think that was what dad had in mind. Okay. But, but I tell that story. One is because it's kind of funny, but um, two kind of as, 
as an example here of we're two people that really didn't know each other all that well. Okay, we met and got married in six months. And some of you are like, that's not really fast. I know somebody. Well, great. Uh, But we got married and we were still figuring some things out. Really like, I was like, what's your last name? Does it even matter? I'm going to change it anyways. Like, this is going to be great. Maybe I don't even need to figure it out. Um, But in all honesty, I think it's just a great example of two people. Today we are a great example of two people that said, if... If two people will honor God and his, and his word, they can have a great marriage. I believe God's word is so powerful that any two people, that any two people, and really that's where I want to start. You know, we're talking about marriage this morning, and then tonight we're going to switch over. We're going to talk about um, raising kids and having children and some of that. So if you've got kids, thinking about having kids, having trouble with kids, or don't have any trouble yet with your kids, tonight will be great. But um, just a great example of what it can be. There was, there was so much that we didn't know about each other. But I want to start off by, by talking about this, this fact here. And I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians eleven fifteen. 15. I want to start off by saying this. There is no perfect person for you to marry. There is so much pressure both in and outside of the church to find the one. But then 1 Corinthians eleven fifteen says this, is the latter part of the verse. It says, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life. Nobody said amen. I was kind of expecting a few. Like at least one. Like nobody? There we go. Come on. But do you want to know what I've never done? I've never walked into somebody's house and saw that scripture up on the refrigerator. Those who marry will face it. No? I've never gone into someone's bathroom and been like, there it is. Those who marry will face trouble. Um, but here's, here's the thing that that tells us. That there is no person that it will just work if you'd married them. Or if you just find that perfect, that perfect one. But that it will be work. It will take work. And that we need to fight for our marriages to make them great instead of turning our back away from our spouses. Like, well, it could have been, and what about would have been if you know this person or this? Or there is no perfect person. There's nobody that if you'd married them, well, they would have known what you needed without even asking, and they'd have known what temperature you like your coffee, and they would have known this, and, and they would have known that this is what it is, and and they would have. The answer to that is no. There is no perfect person. Yeah, you know what that takes, though, is that takes communication. Um, and it's not, just, it's not just saying something once. There are things that I remember telling Samuel when we'd been married for two years, and, and I still have to graciously say to him, hey, that thing that was important to me when we'd been married for two years, that still, that still means a lot to me, and we have to be willing to, to communicate. Now, um, I like to garden, and I actually am in a season where I like to pull weeds. Um, but there are a couple different ways that you can do that. So one of the ways that you can do that is you can put on your gardening gloves and you can go out and you can start pulling up weeds. Um, the great thing about that is your hands stay clean. You don't get dirt underneath your fingernails. The problem with that is it's a lot, a lot more difficult to feel for the root. It's a lot more difficult to get the entire weed out. And so you end up with a temporary fix knowing that the problem is going to come back later. But if you garden by taking the gloves off and being willing to get your hands dirty, you're going to walk out in the world and they're going to say, oh, you've been in the garden because you're going to have dirt under your fingernails. But 
You can feel for the entire root and you can pull that up and it's a permanent fix. This means that when we communicate, we want to, we want to stop the problem right where it is. And we want to communicate graciously. I want you to recognize that something that I said is we have to be willing to get dirty, but we don't fight dirty. The Bible says that we are to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. We have to be willing to get dirty and do the hard work of communicating because here's the thing about life. The number one thing is we have to be very comfortable with being uncomfortable. Very comfortable with being uncomfortable. Come on, we're gonna fight for our marriages. Um, Okay, didn't catch on. I thought it might. I thought it might. Um, but we've got to decide that we're going to fight for them. Uh, I bought a house to, to flip it about 18 and a half years. Eventually I sold it and I did flip it, but it just took 18 and a half years to flip it. But anyways, anyways. But so I bought this house and uh, we, we had a yard. Okay, sometimes I mowed some of it. Sometimes I mowed lots of it. We had a yard. About a year and a half ago, we, we moved and the yard was like nice. Um, but like I said, I had a yard and, um, before. And then we get there and the yard's nice. And I'm like, I'm going to have to do something different than what I did at the other house. The other house was like, I'd mow it when I want to. Sometimes it would get long. Sometimes it wouldn't. I never watered it, which by the way, does make the roots go a whole lot deeper because my yard was totally, anyway. But anyways, like we get to this new thing and I'm like, because here's the thing. The grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener where, greener where it is watered cut the right height, because apparently that's a big deal. You've got to fertilize it. You've got to weed it. There's all this stuff you're supposed to do to it. And so we move into this house, and after a year of being there, and we're, we, the yard is kind of coming back up, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, am I remembering it right? Like, how great was the yard? And so I go online to the listing, and I'm like, it really was better. I don't know what I'm doing. Don't get the idea that it's better somewhere else. Choose to fight for your marriage and be like, okay, here we go. Here we go. And you're, you can make it great. Any two people, that, any two Christians that decide they're going to do it great, they're going to have a great marriage, can have a great marriage. And honestly, that's really the starting point. If you're single, this is like, this is, this is where it starts. This is, the entry bar is actually pretty low and it's right here in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Like, this is the, that's the foundation. Now, now, now that's like the base. And you, you can have some other things above that, but it starts right there. And honestly, I think there's probably some other things that are kind of important beyond the fact that they're Christians. Like, um, can he read? That might be a good one. Like, right? Does he have a job? You're like, oh, but she's hot. Like, like so's hell, but you don't want to go there. <laughs> like, I hope there's a little, that's, that, that's a great starting point. But again, it, really, we got to build on, if you're single, you build on the fact that we're two word-believing, faith-talking, armor-wearing children of the king. Yeah. And it starts there. And if you start there, you'll go through stuff, but you can have a great marriage. We were... We were dating. There was that, that like two and a half week period there where, where we hadn't really discussed marriage yet. And we were actually, we're driving down the road. We're at the corner of 56 and Ivanrest up here. And so I'm like, man, she needs to know a bit about me. And, and I'm like, um, 
just so you know, um, I, I like to be generous. And she's like, okay, what do you mean? I'm like, well, number one, I said, I tithe. I said, that's 10%. That's where it goes. It's automatic. It's every time. And she's like, okay, great. And I'm like, and then giving's above that because if that's where we start, if there's tithes and offerings, then I'm going to offer. I'm like, so, so I like to give. And she's like, oh, I, I like being generous. And she's like, I like giving to the poor. And I'm like, okay, but I like, I like to give and I, I support missions. And I'm like, and this is one that I'm supporting and this is what we're doing. And she's like, I, I like that. And something that she said, I don't remember the exact words that stuck out to me was like the giving to the needy, giving to the poor. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, but what about where the Bible says that if a man does not work, he shall not eat? We're sitting over here in the car and Becca goes, well, that sounds rough. And she said that, and my heart just like sunk. And I was like, you're not it. But then she kept talking. You're like, how did you get here? Hold on. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But then she (laughs) said something else, and she goes, but if that's what God's word says, that's what's best. And I went from here to, I was like, yeah, come on. Let's put a ring on it. Let's seal this deal before she comes to her senses. Like, come on. Because here's what I, I was like, and maybe you say, maybe I naively believed it, but I was right. But I was like, okay, if she will look at God's word, feel like I don't know about that. My feelings tell me that this is rough, but then submit and, and realize God knows better. Yeah. Submit to God's word and be like, this is what's better. But we can have a great marriage. But it starts on building on God's word. That is the foundation. Yeah, we, we have to be willing to say that if it's God's word, that, like Samuel said, is, is the foundation. The word says this in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, is not boastful, not arrogant, isn't rude. It is not self-seeking, not irritable, doesn't keep a record of wrongs. These are things that are foundational to relationships. So this, you can apply this to your life, whether you're single, whether you're married for one year, whether you've been married for 20 years. So um, a few years back, Samuel and I, Samuel's favorite meal, is lasagna and it's ooey and gooey and cheesy and meaty and pasty and it's all the good things. And uh, it was his birthday. And so somebody invited us over to their house for his birthday and they said, we're going to make lasagna. And he's like, yeah, that's my favorite food. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have to cook. So, uh, so we were excited and we went over. And when we got there, they said, oh, you know, by the way, um, so we're making lasagna, but we didn't we didn't thaw the meat. And so we're just substituting some beans in instead. And I was like, okay, okay. Like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I'm watching him and I'm like, okay, he can, he, he's got this. He can do this. He can do this. And so we're talking a little bit and they're like, oh, and yeah, we're, we're totally dairy free right now. So it's cashew cheese, uh, not regular cheese. And I'm sitting here thinking you just substituted out the two best things. Um, but I'm like, okay, we got a couple more ingredients here. We can work with this is good. And, and then they said, you know, we didn't have any marinara sauce. So we just went with pesto. So I'm like, okay, we got, we got beans, we got cashew cheese, we got pesto. And I'm like holding out for that pasta, right? And then we're sitting down to the table and they said, ooh, we are so excited because instead of doing pasta, we have eggplant. And I'm looking at this, I'm watching him thinking, oh, this is so, yeah, this is so disappointing. You know, because what we expected was lasagna. 
But every single thing got substituted out. And I think what we can do is we can say, God, I want a really good marriage. I want really great friendships. I want to have a marriage that, that goes the long haul. But we can look at this and say, love is patient. You know what? I don't feel like it. Love is kind. You don't know how he treated me. We can say, you know, love does not, does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant. Well, I am better than him. And we can start substituting things out and saying, I'm just gonna kind of slide this one in. And then we want God to be happy with the product and we want the product to be good, but, it, but it's not going to be. We wanna do things by the word of God. We want to, we want to love our spouses by the word of God. And, and this is a really great starting point for, for any of us. Um, quite often what I'll have to do if I'm like, man, like he and I are struggling, like this is not good. If I get into the word and I start reading what love is, and then I realize that God is love, then it is, love is patient. Well, Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Okay. If I'm supposed to emulate him, let me try it a different way. Becca is patient. Becca is kind. Becca does not envy. And here's the thing. You're going to bump into things when you read that every once in a while, and you're going to say, whoa, Becca is definitely not patient. Then that's your starting point. Start there. Work on that. But when we, when we get into marriage and we think or we hold our spouse up to this unreal expectation that they're going to be perfect, the day will come when they're not. Because those who marry will have trouble. And what can happen is we, we have this grand idea of what it can be, and the day will come when they're not. And we're like, well, I did it wrong. And we can write it off, or we can, we, we can begin to window shop somewhere else, or we're just like, well, it'll just never be what it could be because, you know, they did this. So we, here's what we need to do. We need to give... We need to give, this, give our spouses the ability to make mistakes and be wrong. Because we come from totally different worlds. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just different. Um, I grew up in Michigan. She grew up in Wisconsin. But they are worlds apart. Um, I grew up, uh, and I never, never heard my parents fight. And you're like, man, they're amazing. They are, but hold on, hold on, hold on. But also, they know Spanish. I do not. So growing up, growing up, we'd be in the kitchen, we'd be in there and mom and dad would be talking and they'd be like, hey, what about this? Let's not eat this. And then all of a sudden they'd be like, yeah, but no, you know what I was thinking was, you know, take a massage, 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 blah, 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 watermelon machine. And I'm just like, oh, I don't, I don't, they just don't want me to know what's going on. Like I have no idea. And then I become a parent and you know, when the kids are real little, you can spell. But then they get, they get a little bit older and I'm like, every parent, like parent, we need our own language. And I'm like, mom, and that was, that was, that was, that was awesome. If somebody would have told me, never mind. But anyways, it, so I grew up and I'm like, I never saw them fight. They didn't fight, like they didn't do that in front of me. The disagreements that they had, they had in a different language. So we get married and Becca disagrees with me. And I'm like... What's wrong with you? 
Like, what, what, wait, what's going on? And I don't remember what it was because I don't really remember those things. And she could probably tell you exactly what the argument was. She's got like this vault of memories that she could pull things in and out of. And I'm like, I know you have it. Could you just lock it up and throw it away? Like, please, please. But we were disagreeing about something. I don't know what it was. And I'm like, well, let's just, let's just, let's just deal with this. And she's like, I need time. And I'm like, you okay, let's deal with this. Like, there was your time. And, and I'm following her and she goes in the bathroom and she locks herself in the bathroom. She's like, I need the time. And I'm like, this door is so thin, we can talk right through it. Let's talk. Like right now, I'm ready to talk. Some of you are like, that's funny of you. Some of you are like, I did that this morning. Like, I, <laughs> But we come from totally different worlds and we're gonna have to like learn how to talk to each other. It took me years. I'm a very slow learner, apparently. But it took me years to figure out that if I just give her like five to 15 minutes, it really helps her. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it does. You know, we, we learn each other and we, we learn what each other needs. And um, I remember probably one of the first times that we had a disagreement or argument. And you know, he was like, I'm right. And I'm like, I'm right. And he's like, I'm right. And I'm like, okay, I just need to go think about it. I have to go think about it. And so I went up to my room and I sat down and I'm praying and I'm really upset because he is obviously wrong. And, and I start praying about it and it is like plain as day, hundred percent. I'm wrong. And he's right. And I know it. And, um, I get a knock on the door and I'm thinking, okay, here he comes. <laughs> he knows I'm wrong already. He knew it a long time ago. Uh, but now I know I'm wrong and he's, he's gonna knock on the door. He knocks on the door. Can I come in? Yeah, yeah. he comes in. He comes in with the Bible. So I'm thinking, oh, come on. Like, you're gonna come in here and you're gonna tell me via the word of God what we both already know. And yes, every word of scripture is useful for correction and instruction. But I'm gonna tell you something, husbands, and this is for the wives too. Do not slam your spouse with the word of God. Love them with it. It is so important that they be able to encounter God through you and through how you apply this to your spouse. So he walked in and I was, I was nervous because I already knew I was wrong. He already knew I was wrong. And now he's gonna sit down. He's gonna tell me how wrong I am. He sat down and this is what he did. He opened to Proverbs 31. So again, I'm like, <laughs> I want to be so small, but when there are only two people in a room, you can't really get away. Um, he opened to Proverbs 31 and he started reading through uh, the righteous woman. Except instead of all of her wonderful characteristics, he put in all of my wonderful characteristics. And he loved me with the word. He he wanted to help correct the thing that was wrong, but he did it through love. Um, Psalm 18.35 says, David is talking about God and he said, God's gentleness has made me great. And if God's gentleness makes kings great, then what can his gentleness do in the lives of the people around us? What can they do in the lives of our spouses, of our kids? I look at that and I think he was gentle with me in that and through the word. And, it, and it, you know what it made me wanna do? It made me want to run to the word. 
It made me want to run to my spouse. And before you sit out there and think, well, maybe she's just a really mild personality. Maybe, maybe she's just, <laughs> no, really, yeah. she's you guys, not. I am fiery. <laughs> I am fiery and I am, I am quick to be like, what? Um, but we are meant to put death to our flesh and allow the spirit to speak through us. And if the spirit, if the Holy Spirit, if the, if the fruits of the spirit are goodness, kindness, patience, faithfulness, self-control, love, joy, peace, and gentleness, then that's what I want to be. And I will fight my flesh to be that first and foremost with God and then with my spouse. So don't settle. Don't just be like, well, it is what it is and I married who I married and so now we're just gonna do our thing. We'll have separate bedrooms or whatever it is, but we're just gonna settle. Don't settle. I mean, just, just, just let's go to the garden. Genesis, Adam. God didn't look at Adam all alone and just be like, well, he's having too much fun. He's got too much freedom. I know what he needs. He needs a wife. I'll give him Eve. That's, that's not what it was. And just a reminder, Eve showed up before the fall, okay? God looked at perfect man and said, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. He's like, he, he, he needs her and she needs him. And she took out of, God, God took out of man to create woman. And then this amazing thing happens where you're now, you're now each whole, but two can become one. Don't settle. Don't just be like, oh, well, this is just, you know, we're just going to do something. But fight to make it great because it can be. It can be amazing if you'll fight for it. But don't just be like, oh, well, this is just what it is. And if you're getting your cues from what you watch on TV and from the world, you're getting them from the wrong place. You will settle you will settle for lame, boring, and dull. And that's not what God meant it to be. God said, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. It's meant to be great. And if it's not, then stop looking outward and look inward and be like, what can I do to make this better? What can I do to make this get better? Years ago, dad preached the message, 12 steps to an affair. I don't remember them, but I remember step one. Step one was you lean out. And I was like, I don't, if I ever catch myself leaning out, that's where I stop. Because I know where that road leads. If you're just leaning out, choose to lean in. Don't settle. It's meant to be great. It can be great, but you're going to have to make it great. Because those who marry will face trouble. They will have trouble, but you can make it through. And when we do it God's way, here's the, here's, the, here's the crazy thing is you go through those situations and you fight those battles side by side, back to back together, instead of fighting each other. And you get to the other side of them and you're like, we did it. High five. Yeah. <laughs> gotta try that again. That was so <laughs> bad. Was High really five. Bad. <laughs> that wasn't much better, but anyways. No, <laughs> but you get to the other side of it and you're like, we did it. We made it through. Mm -hmm. You know, Psalm 66 tells us, we have gone through fire and flood, but you have brought us to a place of great abundance. And I think when we look at, you know, everybody, everybody loves the hype of a fire and a flood. You like, you see it on the news and they're like, look at this fire, look at this flood. But I wish they would go back like six months later. 
because after a fire, minerals are deposited back into the soil. It looks devastating, but good things are deposited if you stay in that spot. After a flood, silt is deposited back in the soil. And so it might look like carnage, but we stick with it because he will bring you to a place of great abundance. He will bring you to a place of great abundance. You may have walked through something devastating, but God is faithful. He is good. And he is the even if God. He's the even if God. Daniel and um, in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, are thrown into the fire. And they're thrown into the fire because they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not gonna worship your idols. We're gonna worship God alone. They stood on the word of God. They said, we're gonna do it God's way. And he said, that's it. He was ticked off. And he's like, he told the, some of his mighty men of valor, he says, I want you to heat the, the fire to seven times its natural, its original um, heat. And then he said, I want you to go throw them in there. And so they go and throw them in there. And the guys just say, listen, even if we die, God can save us. But even if we die, we're going to serve no one else. Even if your marriage doesn't look exactly the way you want to, first and foremost, you try and you work. But even if it doesn't look exactly the way, you will serve no one else but God. You want to know something about that story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? The mighty men of valor that threw them into the fire died because the heat was so extreme. And yet they lasted. You guys, there are people who have been taken out by the fires you've already come through and you are still standing. If you are in this room and if you are married, fight for that marriage. Start now. Yeah, it's gonna be awkward. Yeah, it might take longer than you want, but we don't go around buying and selling houses because the light bulb burns out. We put in the work, we put in the time, we put in the investment. Come on. So the last five minutes, I'm gonna give you three ways to fight for your marriage. And we're gonna go to Revelation chapter two. And it's talking here, remember this, that the church is the bride of Christ. Over and over, that's referred to in, in God's word. And so here's a letter written to the church, to, to Christ's bride. And we're going to find the recipe in here of how we fight for our spouses. And it says this in verse four. It says, nevertheless, I have this thing against you that you have left your first love. This applies to marriage as well. So here we go. Verse five. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and I will remove your lamp from its place unless you repent. Three things I want to point out that he says in there. He says, you've fallen from your first love. He says, so what do you need to do? You need to, number one, you need to remember the height from which you've fallen. You need to repent and then you need to redo. Well, he says do, but do doesn't start with an R. So repent, remember, and redo. Repent, remember, redo. And here's, here's what I mean. Um, remember. Remember what it was like when you, when you met them. Man, remember the fun that you guys had together. Remember the effort that you put in. Do you, do you remember the effort that you put in? You were like, hey, we're going to go out. And so guys, you, you cleaned your car and you, you're like, hey, we're going we're gonna to look good. She steps around the corner. She's coming over. And you're like, man, I want to look good. So what did you do? You dropped down and you're like, she's coming. So I'm just going to do a few push-ups before she gets here. You were like, yup, I'm looking good. You bathed, you brushed your teeth, you had mints. You showed up on time. You were like, hey, how's it going? She talked and you were like, you were listening. 
You were hanging on to every word because you're like, I'm, I'm going to find something in here that's going to help me to show her how much I care about her. And you, you were paying attention. No wonder she liked you. You, you. you looked at her like she hung the moon. You did. And girls, you, you, he, he's going to come over. And you weren't like, oh, am I comfortable? You're like, I'm going to look good. You didn't care how comfortable it was. And, and he talked. And, and when he would tell you his dreams, you didn't shatter him. You, you were like, they were, they were crazy. And you're like, you can do that. Yeah. I believe in you. <laughs> you believed he could do every bit of it. And all you wanted to do was just be a part of it. And then you laughed at his jokes. And nobody laughed at his jokes. But you did, and you were excited. Remember, remember the potential that was there because it's still there. And don't just think, well, we've been married 20 years, so that, that, that's come and gone, because it hasn't. It hasn't. I think I was, I want to say I'm 18, 17 years old. We're up north, we're at the cottage, and dad, I come in the house and dad is coming out of the bedroom and he's in the house and he comes out and he goes, woo. I go, hi, dad. And he goes, your mom is amazing. And I'm like, dad. And he goes, that's the best it's ever been, just so you know. And I'm just like, dad, no. Like, no. Like, no. No. But. I learned something that day. And I'm married today. I was 18. He'd been married. I don't know what the numbers and how long they'd been married. But you keep pressing in and things get better. Things can get better. Your marriage can get better. Don't think, oh, the best days are behind us. What's meant to be is we get married and those first years are great and they're amazing because they are. But then year two comes and we're building on the progress that we've made and the things that we've been through. So year two is even better. And year three, we build on what we built in year one and two. So it just gets better and better and better. And then you get 15 and 20, like we've been through so much and we have so much history. I could never restart with anybody else. I love what we have. And if you've been through me with this, if we've made it through this, we can make it through anything. Yeah. Like, we'll do this. It's you, it's me, it's God. Like, we're good. Yeah. It's what it's meant to be. So remember, the number two is this, it's repent. Repent if you've just put things on cruise control because you thought, well, that's good. Repent if you've put it on cruise control because nothing stays great. Everything just kind of, it just falls apart. Everything decays, everything falls apart. That's just its natural state. Repent if you put it on cruise control. Repent if you just thought, well, it's so bad, then why put in any effort? And then you discovered that it did get worse. <laughs> it could. Repent if you have, and if you've, if you've taken your interest and your energy and your focus, and you've been given your best to, to work and everything else, repent. And be like, I want to make it great again. I'm going to make it great. And then redo. Do those things. And here's the thing I love about that. Because get this. You know, you already did everything that it took to get them. You did it. Out of everybody, they chose you. You, you did it, so do it again. Win them again. Fight for them again. Give them that energy again. 
You met them and your friends are like, where'd you go? And you're like, I'm not here. And you're like, why weren't you there? And you're like, I don't care about the game. I'm over here. I'm doing this. You, you disappear. Do it all. You, but here's why that should encourage every single one of us is you already know what to do. Just do it again. Do it again. Because here's what God's word says. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God loves you. God invented marriage and he made it great. He made it great. And it can be if we do it his way. But we have to submit and be like, God, I'm doing it your way. And I'm not going to settle for what the world calls great. I'm not going to settle for any of this other stuff, God. I'm going to continue to seek after you. And I'm going to continue to honor my spouse and seek after them and your will for our lives. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? We're going to close out. We've been talking about marriage. But understand this. God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. He has a plan for you. God loves you. And before we leave today, I just want to make sure that every person in here, that you know where you stand with God. I want to make sure that if you can hear my voice, that you have a relationship with your heavenly father, a father that loves you. In fact, a father that loves you so much that he sent his son to die, to pay the price so that you could be free. See, God is just. And here's what that means. That means that sin and wrong, it cannot go unpunished. But my punishment, your punishment, God gave to Jesus because he lived the sinless, perfect life so that you and I could go free. He took our place. It all begins with a relationship with him, with saying, God, I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. I want what you have for me. I want the life. I want the marriage. I want the legacy. I want the forgiveness. I want the hope. I want the peace. It all comes through when we finally say, God, I need you. When we look at our mess and all the things that we've been through, we say, God, I need you. We stop running to everything to try to fill us. We stop running to substances and drinks and people because here's the thing, they never do. They never fill. And every time we hit Bob and we think, why am I here again? Because there's a hole in every one of us. There's a need in every one of us. And it's for Jesus. He's the only thing that can fill it. So if you're here this morning, if you can hear my voice this morning, know that today is your day and you can leave here knowing you're forgiven, set free. You can run to the one that made you because he loves you. He knows every one of your flaws. He sees everything you've ever done wrong and he still loves you. How do you run to him? Well, here's what you do. The Bible says in Romans that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. It's you confessing that you need to be forgiven. Confessing, God, I need you. So if you're here, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you say, that's me, and today I want to give my life to him, or maybe today's the day you say, I'm coming back. Today's the day I declare I'm his again because I turned my back on him. Either of you, I'd love to pray with you through either of those things. Get ready. At the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up. If you say, today's the day I want to give him my life. Today's the day I am coming back. One, get ready. One, two, three. Right now, shoot it up and say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Say, that's me. And today's the day. Thank you. I'm giving my life, my heart. Thank you. Thank you. In the balcony, thank you. Another one, thank you. Come on, thank you. All right, hands down. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like everybody to repeat after me, and let's just pray with those that lifted their hands. And those that lifted their hands, as you say these words, say them from your heart, make them your own, and God's going to meet you right where you are. And you're going to leave here changed, forgiven and set free. Let's all just say this out loud. Everybody say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. I'm yours. I believe that you died. You shed your blood for me. And from now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I'm going to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.